anybody here ready to receive the word this morning? I don't know if I believe that. Here's what I want to encourage us to do is just we're going to just pray. I just want to encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit to make your heart ready to receive. You know, my prayer has been that there would be a spirit of alertness. Um, you know, I know there, I can feel tiredness. I feel tired myself. I've, I've been sleeping a lot this week. We'll put on a family movie and I'll be asleep halfway through it. <laughs> um, just being tired. And, and for whatever reason, many of us can be tired. But I just want to encourage you to allow yourself to be stirred up, to be alert, to receive the word of God. Because when we receive it, it can change our lives. It will change our lives as long as the soil that we have in our hearts is ready to receive the word. Amen. We don't want to just let it go in our ears because just because we hear it doesn't mean we're going to embrace it and do what the word says. So, Father, we just come to you and we ask you, we give you permission, Lord, to stir our hearts up, to help us to be prepared to hear what the spirit of the Lord would say to us. This morning, whether we've heard it before, whether we've heard it a hundred times, your word is worth repeating. Your word is worth us embracing it because it is your instruction to us so we can be effective and be fruitful servants of your kingdom to see you glorified. So, Father, we choose to alert ourselves, to open our hearts, to receive what you would say to us this morning. Holy Spirit. Great teacher of God, we ask you to teach us this morning. Teach us this morning. Father, thank you for helping me to deliver your word effectively. But more than that, thank you for helping us to hear your word effectively. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Luke 10, 27. I'm going to go through these verses rather quickly, so you may not have time to turn to them. But if you want to head start, you might want to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, because I'll get to that one pretty quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. But right now I'm reading out of Luke verse, chapter 10, verse 27. And it says, and he answered, talking about Jesus answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. John 17, 3. Jesus says, and this is eternal life, going to heaven. Is that what he said? Is that what he said? This is eternal life, that they, talking about us, may know him, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. This is what eternal life is, to know God and to know Jesus Christ. And also that word know, it's meaning intimately knowing him. So this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And understand that that doesn't start when we get to heaven, does it? It starts the moment we give our lives to Jesus, the moment we embrace him. That's when eternal life starts. It's continued when we pass out of this life to be with him. It continues, but it starts the moment we give our lives to him. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 20. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making his appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And then we know the verse, I believe it's, I forgot to look it up. I believe it's either Matthew four nineteen or Matthew four twelve, where Jesus says to his disciples, he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Okay, so after reading those verses, that was kind of refresh our memory. Kind of give you a pop quiz. I've shared this before. Why are we here on this planet? Why are we here? What's our purpose for being here on this planet? Anybody tell me. To love the Lord. Plain and simple. We are here to love God and know him intimately. To love God and know him intimately. That's why we are here. 
That's why we are existing. God made, created us for his pleasure, to love and know him. And so as a church, why do we exist? Why do we exist as New Covenant Fellowship? To love and know God intimately. Okay? To love and know God intimately. Okay, so what do we do? What do we do as a church, as New Covenant Fellowship? We connect people to God. Everybody get that? Our job, our purpose is to connect people with him. I've said this before, but it's worth repeating again. Let me ask you this. How many of you are called into the full-time ministry? Raise your hands. How many of you are called into the full-time ministry? Raise your hands, please, so I can see them. Okay, this isn't a trick. Not a trick question. Okay, let me ask you this. How many of you belong to Jesus? How many of you have committed your life to Jesus? Raise your hands. Okay, don't put them down yet. I want you to raise your hands. I want you to look around and see. Okay, those of you who have your hands up now, those of you who have said, I've given my life to Jesus. He's my Lord and Savior. He's my King. You same people are also called into full-time ministry. You can put your hands down now. So if you didn't know that before, guess what? You know that now. You are called in a full-time ministry. And why do I say that? Right here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Who's that talking about? Us who? Is it talking about everybody in the world? Who's he talking about? I can't hear you. Those who have accepted Christ, those who have given their lives to Jesus. If you are in Christ, you are therefore a new creation. So he's talking about Christians, right? Christ followers. He is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have become. Old things have come new. Now, all these things are from God who reconciled him to him, reconciled us to himself. And so not only have you been reconciled to God, but there's an and that means there's something else. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So if you are born again, then you have been reconciled to God, and he's given you something. It's called the ministry. He's given you a ministry of reconciliation. Namely, your job is to reconcile people to him. Do you see that? Am I taking that out of context or twisting it or anything? Do you see that? Do you believe that? Do you really? Now, now think of this in your heart. I want a hard answer, which means I'm not going to hear it. Do you really believe that you are called to full-time ministry? Does your life reflect that you are called to full-time ministry? Don't answer that vocally. This is just some things I just want you to think of in your heart. Because <clears throat> it's one thing to agree verbally. It's one thing to, to, uh, to assent to and say, yes, yeah, I agree. I see it in the scriptures. Yeah, I agree. But it's another thing to be moving and cooperating with God in that process to prepare us to be effective ministers for his kingdom. Unfortunately, for the most part, the church in the United States is pretty weak. The church in America is dying, is diminishing. There are more churches closing than there are churches starting. I read a statistic a while ago. I can't remember, if I, I can't remember the details, but it said something to the effect of there's about 4,000 churches a month closing down in America. Now, there are churches starting, but the trend is going down. The church is diminishing. It's weak. It's anemic. In other words, you have all these churchgoers, these people who are going to church, and people who claim to be Christians. But it doesn't seem to be going well. As far as the way we've been doing things. I think our, our model, our, the way we've been doing, th- doing things has been effective. In other parts of the world, it's not, that's not the case. So what do we need to do to cooperate with God so that I, so that you, are an effective minister of the gospel? And there's three things I want to talk about today that we are doing here in New Covenant and we will be doing and we will continue. We, it's not that we've just started doing these things. I just want to bring them to your attention. 
Three things, equipping, reaching, and sending. Equipping, reaching, and sending. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 13. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for the works of service or for the works of the ministry. So again, you see that it's the people of God who are called to do the works, the ministry of God, not just the fivefold, not just the preachers or the teachers or the evangelists or the apostles. Those aren't the ones who are called to do the ministry. Now, they have a ministry, but it's the people of God who are called to do the ministry. And it's the gifts. These fivefold ministry are gifts from Jesus. I believe it's in verse 7. Jesus gave gifts to men. Then he talks about the fivefold ministry. So he gave these gifts to the body for the purpose of equipping the saints so that they would do the ministry. Do you agree with that? Yeah, at least I got a few people that agree with that. Let's see, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So the purpose of the fivefold ministry, their calling, is to equip the saints and to help the saints to become mature, to grow up and develop into Christ. So they are like Jesus. So their mannerism, so their character is like Jesus. That's what we're supposed to become like, him. Amen? Thanks for turning the lights on. I can see now. So our goal, our purpose, everything we do here at NCF is to be equipping, reaching, or sending. And so there are going to be, there are things that we have been doing, and there's things I want to bring to your attention that we are doing and will be doing to help equip the brothers and sisters here. First of all, Sunday service, like now. The purpose of this time is to equip, to encourage, to motivate. We come together to celebrate him, but we also come to receive encouragement from the word so that we can go out and we can be more effective in our calling because we're all called. We are all called. Now, I know when we think of full-time ministry, we think of what I'm doing or we think of a missionary or we think of you know, that kind of thing. That's false. Those are full-time ministries, but if you're a Christian, you're called in a full-time ministry. If you belong to Jesus and you're a vet student at Oklahoma State, that's your full-time ministry. If you drive an ambulance, that's your full-time ministry. If you work at a grocery store, or if you teach in an elementary, or if you homeschool your kids, or you're a businessman or businesswoman. You're a full-time minister, and your assignment is your current location. So if you are training as a vet student or as a, a CPA or as a doctor or whatever, you are learning your training, a skill, learning in a skill, so that you can more effectively serve people and build his kingdom. Do you realize that the kingdom of God is all about service? It's all about service. You know how I can prove that? Who's the leader of the kingdom? Jesus. Was he a servant or not? I will consider him the biggest servant. He said that if you want to be the greatest leader, you must become the biggest what? Do you consider him the biggest leader, the greatest leader? Guess what? He was also the greatest servant. He's the one that served mankind to the ultimate. Did he or did he not? And he's still serving And so the kingdom business, God's kingdom business is all about serving. So whatever you are doing, wherever you find yourself, whatever your job is, don't see it as just a menial job to pay bills. See it as your current assignment to serve his kingdom. And if you will adopt and adapt to that mindset, then you will see every opportunity you have to serve people, to reconcile them to God, and to glorify him. Wednesday night Bible study, teaching. You know, we're, I'm very excited about this, that we're going to be doing Wednesday night. We're not sure how long we're going to be doing that, but right now we're doing it until Jesus says otherwise. But we're not just doing that to give us something to do on Wednesday night. How many of you realize we don't need another something to do? 
Because now I know we're all not busy. We're all not doing anything. Seven days a week, we're just sitting around waiting for something to do, right? <laughs> so we are not saying, hey, I know. I got something for you to do. We're going to do something on Wednesday. We're going to start Wednesday, one, because we believe that's the direction of the Lord. And specifically to equip. It's an equipping ministry, teaching ministry to equip the saints. So that the word of God becomes more alive and fresh in your life. So you can move more effectively. Amen. Father's heart school that we just talked about that Stephen just talked about. And I want to say that I am more excited about this father's heart school than I am any other father's heart schools we've done in the past. And here's why. Because it's coming up. It's about to happen. But you know, many of you who have been around for a while, you've heard us talking about Father's heart over and over and over and over. And as long as you continue to come here, you're not gonna, we're not going to stop. Now, we don't believe that Father's heart is the end all, is the fix all, is, is everything. We don't believe that in any means, by any means. But we believe it's a tool, it's a gift and a tool that God has brought into our lives to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And I believe as far as a concentrated time of teaching, it's five nights, two and a half, three hours. I can't remember exactly the time frame. But it's one of the most concentrated times of equipping that we offer all year round. One of the most concentrated. In other words, there's so much packed into this. Can you guys put that slide back up there that advertises the Father's Heart School? There is so much packed into this school. And you know, and I want to, I want to say something here. You know, you see the, the things it includes, how to track fruit to root, identifying bitter roots, accomplish forgiveness, repentance, restitution, basic trust, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You've heard me talk a lot about it having to do with forgiveness. And it does. It's one of the, because forgiveness and bitterness, that's some of the most powerful stuff. If we can get accurate teaching on that and embrace that and apply that, there's a huge difference in our lives. But that's not all this school offers. What I like about this class is when you sit through it, if you can see maybe into the spiritual realm, you see these light bulbs coming off bing, um, over people's heads. It's like, I get it. I've read the scriptures over all these years and like, wow, I get it. It makes sense. That's what I appreciate about this school. It makes the word of God very practical, applicable, easy to understand, and you know, we can apply it. And so I'm very passionate about this. My desire is for everybody in the church, every adult in the church to go through it. If we, just practically speaking, if many or most of us would go through this school and just begin to embrace any of the principles that we learn, it would shift the culture. It would move forward, leap the culture of this church forward. Leaps, you know, just in leaps and bounds. It would be crazy. Because we'd all be on the same page when it comes to this kind of stuff. Because some of us have been through it. A number of us have been through Father's Heart 1 or 2. And some of us have been through the third one. A number of us have been through Father's Heart Ministry, Prayer Ministry, which is different from the school. So don't think that, oh, I've been through Father's Heart Prayer. I've had that, so I don't need this. No, that's not the case at all. We all need this right here. Something every one of us should go through. And actually, we all need the prayer ministry as well. But I'm asking and I'm encouraging you and I'd get on my knees and, and beg. But I'm not going to do that. But I do want to encourage you to prayerfully consider going. And actually, I would encourage you to assume that you're supposed to go unless he says no. Okay, so position yourself. Say, okay, I'm going. Lord, if you say no, then I won't. But if I don't hear a no, then I'm going to go. I believe in this so much that it's going to equip. It's going to hurt. It's going to help and it's going to set Many people free. I mean, this is, this has been one of the things. There's been a number of things that have impacted my life powerfully. This is one of them that has impacted my life powerfully. And so I really, well, I would like everybody to go. And I want to, there's a sign up sheet out in the hallway. Please sign up today and you will get more details about it and start working on your child care. Cause I mean, that's going to be an issue as far as it, you know, it's going to be five nights. It's a big thing. So don't wait to the last minute and say, oh, what are we going to do with our children? Because it doesn't usually work that way. And here's one thing. I want to encourage husband and wives to go. If you're married, both of you go. Both of you go. Plan on going. Do everything you can in your power to go. 
But if something happens and it comes down to the last few moments or days and it's, and you just don't have any childcare arranged, then I want to encourage one of you to go. Husband and wife. And husbands, listen to me. If your wife is the one that usually sits home watching the kids, then let her go. Okay, don't just assume, well, the wife's going to stay home and watch the kids and let the husband go do this. No, let's change it up. Let's let our wives go. And then wives, you can come home and give your husbands a report and encourage and share with them what you're learning. Okay? Okay? Is this thing working? All right, 101 class. That's something we're going to be talking about in the future, but what that's about is not anything brand new, but a number of churches, denominations do this. We call it a new beginners class. When you, if you go to a church and you decide you want to join or know more about that church, there's typically a beginners class that you can go to, to, to hear what the culture and belief system of that church is. And then it helps you to decide, do I want to align myself with this? Do I agree with this? Or is this not my, not my vision that God wants me to partner with? And that's what we want to do. We've been working on this for a couple of years now. We're, ready, we're going to be ready to roll that thing out next month, May. It'll be a class that new people can come to to hear who we are, what we're about. And what we're going to do is we're going to start that on a Sunday morning, and we're going to, we're going to give you an intro to it, to the whole church. And then we're going to invite the whole church to come on a Wednesday night, three weeks in a row, and to go through that class. Because our goal is for everyone to go through that class. Because it's important, if you consider New Covenant your home church, then it's important for you to either agree or not to agree. To say, I come into alignment with this, with this uh, vision. I agree with what they agree with. Suppose we don't believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Suppose that we don't believe that he's God. And you don't know that. You assume that. But then you go through this class and we say, well, we believe that Jesus is a way, but we also believe in et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You're like, whoa, dude. Now, let me clarify. So I don't bring any confusion. Jesus is the only way. I think I was making some of y'all nervous. You have to be careful with your illustrations sometimes. Yes, clarify, I'm going to say it again. Jesus is the only way. Are we good on that? Now, there, but there may some, be some people who aren't good on that. And if that's you, you want to know where we stand, where we're heading. Because if you don't align with it, and that's a poor example, really. But there may be some things that we say, these are non-negotiable. This is our culture. This is what we believe. Now, there are some things that we believe have to do with your salvation, like that one. Jesus is it. If you don't believe that, you're not. <laughs> Never mind. Anyway, but there are some things that we hold dear to that really don't have anything to do with your salvation, but it's part of our culture, and it's part of what we will teach and we embrace. And if you can't come into alignment with that, that's not necessarily bad, but it's like you need to find where God wants to plant you so you can be full in full alignment and agreement with the leadership and the vision of a church, a local church, so you can move full force into your calling. Amen? And so that's going to be the purpose of this 101, and we're going to roll it out in about a month from now. Children's ministry, youth ministry, singles ministry, men's and women's ministry, small groups, all these different things we offer, and we're going to continue to offer to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And here's one I want to bring to your attention that people may not realize. Taking opportunities to serve. I'm realizing this more and more that, it, that growing in Christ is not just about receiving biblical information. And we would all agree with that, right? But do you realize that a big part, I don't know, I'm not going to put a percentage on it because I don't know, but a big part of your growing and your maturity in him is serving. And that would make sense because remember, he's wanting to make us like him, right? And if he's the biggest servant of all, then guess what we're going to, as we mature, guess what we're going to be doing more and more of? Sitting around letting people serve us. Just like Jesus did. 
Remember, he said, hey, who's going to wash my feet? Hey, Thomas, get over here, wash my feet. Is that what he did? Not at all. Matter of fact, he embarrassed them because he did what a lowly servant was supposed to do. And he did it unashamedly and said, I'm giving you an example. This is what my kingdom is about. It's about serving, loving people. And you know what I'm excited about? I remember a couple of years ago, those of you who were here, who've been here that long, and we, it was right after a missions conference, which is coming up in a couple months, by the way. We'll talk about that later. But missions conference, and we were sitting in the office, and, and uh, I was going to begin to thank the people who serve the mission conference, because there's people who host, who have missionaries in their homes. There's people who serve in the kitchen hours and hours and hours and produce beautiful, wonderful food. There's all these people that do all the serving. And I was thinking, hey, and I asked uh, Ellen and, and Christy Cannon and to get a list of the people who served so I can just thank them. I was going to send them thank you cards. Well, it was over 80-something people. I said, what? I'm not writing no 80-something cards. But here's what I was excited about. You know, I was thinking a few, 20-ish people serving. But when I realized we had over 80 people in this church serving for that conference that we had. That got me excited. I got fired up. I'm like, are you kidding me? Because these statistics say that 20% of the people are supposed to do 80% of the work. Or not supposed to, but 20% of the people do 80% of the work. That statistic has been obliterated by this church. And what that shows me, what that shows me is this church is a very mature church. And obviously we're continuing to mature. Because we're growing in the area of service. I know our youth group, they've, um, I mean, part of their culture is serving. And they put people to shame when it comes to serving. How about our kids? I mean, they've done events. They've, they've done things for CREC where they have their annual uh, dinner. Uh, for those of us who are their customers, they, you know, and there's, I don't know, 1,000, 1,500 people. I don't know how many people. It's a bunch of people that go to that. And our kids, our youth, would serve. And I would hear over and 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 over again how awesome they are. How they serve without whining or complaining and grumbling. How their attitudes and people are like, who are these kids? Where are they from? They were amazed at how they would serve with the right heart. And that fires me, that encourages me. Because it's like, you know what, we're moving in the right direction. Because it's not about, hey, what we can get people to do for us. But it's like, how can we serve and bless and bring the kingdom to people? And that's what I see this church doing. That's what I see you doing. This event that we just did with John Jacobs and the Power Force, do you realize we reached over 3,000 people? We did an assembly for 3,200 kids. And then we had about 1,000 people, which are repeaters, come to the Friday night event. About over 1,000 people attend that deal. But in the schools, over 3,200 kids got to hear a, a message of hope and got to get encouraged. But we had over 60 Adults in this church serve that deal. 60. And when I figured that out, I was like, God, this is incredible. It wasn't 20% of our church doing all that work. It was over 50% of the adults. I mean, I don't know what the statistics are, but that's a lot of people serving this community. You know, and I was thinking, what, and someone asked me, what was the impact of that event? Did it cause our church to grow? No. Matter of fact, I don't see anybody in here who came as a result of all that work that we did. But that's not what I was really counting on anyway. I feel like the Lord wanted to reach this community. He wanted to love on this community, bless this community, and that's why we did it. Now, in the long run, may people come in as a result of that indirectly? Maybe. But it's not serving so we can get it's serving so we can give, so we can love. And they're like, why are you doing this, Jesus? Because he loves you, and so we just wanted to remind you practically that he loves you. You know, when I had the idea of um, after we did all that, we did all those assemblies, and we did everything, and it was awesome, to take a thank you card, ended up taking um, crumb cakes to all 10 of the I keep wanting to call them pastors, which I will keep doing that. But the principals of the schools, 
So we took 10 cakes and 10 thank you cards to the principal saying, thank you for giving us an opportunity to partner with you in, in encouraging our kids. Thank you for allowing us to partner with you. The number more like, what? You're bringing us a cake? We should be giving you something. And I remember one administrator uh, was wanting to give me something. Give, do we have something to give him? So I'm going to get a t-shirt out of the deal. I'm excited about my t-shirt. But what I appreciate, and this, this is in this community with the number of the churches, we had 10 pastors that participated in this event. And there's nothing, not speaking against the other pastors, because some of them said, hey, CJ, we cannot join up with you right now, but we are praying and we are excited about this. So we're for you and we're with you, but we have something else going on. There was a number of pastors that said that. But it's the heart of pouring into our community just because. Just because. And that's what I believe the message of that crumb cake and thank you card. Just because. God loves you. We love you. Thank you for giving us this opportunity. And the relationships. So what's the big thing that I'm excited about? Relationship. Have you ever heard that word preached in here before? Relationship. The relationships that I have, I knew zero of, uh, excuse me, I knew one out of ten of those principles before on a casual basis or an acquaintance basis. Now I have ten more acquaintances that I have a relationship with. And that because of what we were able to accomplish together, it's a positive relationship, one built on trust. Matter of fact, one, the last principal I talked to said, hey, if you do this again next year, sign us up, we're in. I had two or three principals say, this was the best assembly we've ever had, ever. We offer this to them totally free, no charge to them. Some of these schools don't, these small schools don't ever have anybody. Yes, Leah. No, you're not sorry. She's not sorry. I just want to make that clear. Because, see, I know Leah, so I know she ain't sorry. There you go. Huh? I'm breaking. Is it on? Okay, it's on. I, I met with a Lincoln um, school official or teacher who kind of helped plan all of that. She does a lot of the outreach to the kids for life skills and things like that on Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. She and I met. And she said that the Lincoln kids were blown away. It was one of the best assemblies she's ever seen out of all of her years come through. They did not want to leave. And the principal had to say, okay, come on, guys, it's time to go to lunch. (laughs) And because of that, she got fired up about um, really talking to us about trying to help them bring more community outreach in. And she asked us to be on advisory committee for the school to find out ways that we can connect kids with community resources and things like the church events. Wow. So I just wanted to share that real quick. That's awesome. There's a scripture that says a good name is to be desired above riches. Can you see why that scripture makes sense? I can have a, I can have a, a half a billion dollars or a million dollars and have a corrupt name and I may not get, I may not be able to get into places to influence people's lives. But I can have zero money and a good name and get into a lot of places. Because I appreciate you sharing that, Leah. It's been incredible. And seeing how these kids hunger for hope, how they were moved and it was awesome to see you know, the Lincoln kids, they, they suffered two tragedies back to back a couple of weeks ago. They lost two kids to death, two tragic deaths. So on Tuesday, we got to see them crying and distraught. And two days later, I was in front of those same kids watching them laugh and cut up and carry on and be excited because they were hearing a message of hope. And some of those kids, I don't know how many, but I was told by Mr. Peterson, who happens to be a teacher there, and also he's a security guard, um, There were at least 10 Lincoln kids at the Friday night deal. And I saw at least one girl that I recognize make a decision for Jesus. She was one of the girls who spoke at the funeral when they had a chance to spoke. And she was pretty distraught and broken up because of her friend. And then here she is a few days later making a commitment to follow Jesus Christ. I think it was worth it. I think it was worth it. So equipping, then reaching. We're going to be doing things to reach the community, just like we talked about the Power Force outreach, Easter Sunday. 
You know, after this Easter, we're going to be doing what we call Super Sundays, where we're going to designate the fifth Sunday. There will be uh, three more, I believe, this year. The first one was last month. But those fifth Sundays, we're going to designate them as, as evangelistic Sundays, where the service will be geared towards reaching, preaching the gospel to those that you bring in so they can have a chance to hear the gospel and make a commitment to Jesus Christ. So if there's ever a time you want to get a lost person to church to hear the gospel, that would be a Sunday that you can, you can pinpoint, that you can focus on. Amen? And I want to encourage you guys with something. Now, of course, we're going to do practical things to um, tone down a little bit. Emphasis on a little bit. Tone down our service because we don't want to be wild and, and too charismatic in a way to scare people off. But we are going to be who we are. In other words, I, I tell Todd, like when we did that John Jacobs outreach back in October, August, and we had, a, we had this place was full, we had a lot of people here. I said, Todd, I want you to do worship, praise, and they did a few songs. But I said, I want you to be us, though. In other words, don't hold back, don't be afraid. Don't. In other words, when people come on a Sunday morning, we don't want to pretend we're somebody else. Then they come the following week and like, gotcha, tricked you. Now here's who we are. We don't want to do that. We want to say, here's who we are. We'll tone it down just a little bit, not to scare them off. But we want to be true to who the culture that God is creating us to be. We are a charismatic, spirit-filled, tongue-talking church. Okay? We believe in that. We do that. In case some of you guys didn't know that, hope I didn't just scare you. Like, what? You do what? Yes, I do. Quite a bit. <laughs> But anyway, here's what I want to encourage you with. Some of you may think, you know, there's, maybe you have some, a friend or a loved one who, who doesn't go to church. Maybe they've never been to church. Actually, those would be the best ones because they don't know what to expect. You know, in other words, don't be afraid of, well, I don't know if I can bring them here because just invite them and trust God. That's all I'm asking. Here's what I've been finding. And this has happened over and over and over and over again. There have been times... When, and we believe in doing things decently and in order. Okay, there's a scripture that talks about that. So we want to do things in order. So we don't just break out in tongues and just go crazy and hang from these lights. We don't do crazy stuff all the time. <laughs> but we do want to, you know. <laughs> but, huh? Oh, yeah, we want to talk about that. But can I say something? There have been times, you know, because sometimes we're afraid. Oh, no, if they hear you speaking in tongues, if they believe, hear, if they hear that you believe that, it's going to scare them away. Or if they get exposed to the kind of worship you guys do, it might scare them away. But what I've been finding, here's what I've been noticing, is that people, especially the unchurched or the people who aren't used to going to church, they find it refreshing. They find the worship refreshing. That's, that's right. So it's biblical. And you know, it's interesting too, what I've discovered. There have been times when the Lord would specifically tell me to do something. Like those of you who've been around, you'll know when I say, okay, we're going to pray in tongues. I want you to stir yourself up and pray in tongues. How many of you remember me doing that to y'all? <laughs> well, I don't just do that all the time if you've noticed, but there have been specific times when the Holy Spirit has told me to do that. And so when I've done that, and what I found is that there have been times when people will bring friends to church and they think, oh, I sure hope we don't do a tongues thing today, or I hope we don't go crazy. I've had them tell me this after the fact. And then we'll come and they'll have their friends sitting right next to them. And of course they're saying, please God, please God, please God, please God. And then I'll say, all right, guys, we're going to pray in tongues this morning. And they're like, no! But then what we find out is that their friends are refreshed like, wow. This is, this is encouraging. And I know this particular situation, these people came back for like two months after they heard us pray in tongues. I remember there was a time the Lord told me to do a, a one-time teaching on the benefits of tongues. Witness series, but it was a why do we speak in tongues? And I was, this was years ago. And of course I was scared because that's kind of a controversial topic. You know, when you share on that, it scares people for whatever reason. And the Lord told me to anyway. So I was already nervous. But I'm like, God, I'm going to do this. You told me to do it. He confirmed it throughout the weekend. So I was ready to go. During the break, you remember how we used to do, we do praise and worship. We'd take a break and then we do the word. Remember how we used to do that? Well, we had praise and worship. Then we had, to, we had announcements. Then we had a break. So I'm getting all ready. 
And then a, uh, a brother in the church comes up to me and says, he says, hey, CJ, and you know, we're talking. He goes, hey, my sister and her family are here with me, so don't speak on anything crazy, especially tongues. Now, I think he was being silly, being funny, but it wasn't funny. <laughs> I'm like, what? Because I was already battling fear. And all of a sudden, he, and the enemy used that. Woo, the enemy started talking to me. And I'm not saying this brother was the enemy. Please don't misunderstand me. But I was already dealing with nervousness and fear because, you know, his sister, they went to a Presbyterian church. They didn't do this stuff. And he, he said something about that, you know, talking to him, something like that. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. So I'm having this battle. I'm fighting. Oh, oh, my goodness, I'm fighting. And I had to remember, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Because I'm thinking, God, is there anything else you want me to talk about? I can, I can pull something else up. I can share a testimony or something. And then, then it was simply because I believed he told me to. And that's what I had to go on. I was still scared. So guess what I did? I preached it. Preached it hard, best I could. And then after I finished, guess who came up to talk to me? Not the brother who warned me, but his sister and her family. And they said, you know, that was very interesting. I never heard it like that before. I really appreciate you sharing that. And then I ended up seeing them two years later. I was having lunch with Arthur Webb. We were in, in a restaurant and uh, this family and the sister-in-law comes and her son and like hey i recognize him hey how's it going well it was interesting because since they had come to church and they heard that message they were going to a particular denomination that already said didn't mean to they changed and started going to a spirit-filled church they started going to a spirit-filled church that believed in speaking in tongues and everything that showed me they were hungry and i was thinking hmm do you think god knew that so my point is, we, you know, we love, we're trying to learn to hear and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's what we endeavor to do here at New Covenant Fellowship. I appreciate the leadership. I appreciate Pastor Dale, who's been my mentor and, and spiritual father for a couple of years. I don't want to say how old either one of us are. It's been a long time. And I appreciate the foundation that I've learned from him and Teresa, even though she smacked me around a couple of times. But I appreciate that. But I appreciate the integrity. I appreciate the love for God, the love for the Holy Spirit. I mean, I appreciate that's what we've gained over the years here. And that is part of my DNA now. And so I appreciate that we are in a church where the leadership wants to, longs to, endeavors to follow Holy Spirit. And so the decisions we make sometimes don't make sense, but it's like, Lord, if this is you, and we, we confirm, we counsel with one another, we say, okay, this is what we believe God's saying, and we go. And what we're finding out is, is that when we make these decisions led by him, there is fruitfulness that comes out of it. And there's been many times when it may be the service may be crazy or something might be seem kind of weird or, or super spiritual or whatever, the impact that it's had on somebody's life. Something that was said that might have seemed... I remember there's been times when Todd will say or do something, and I'm like, hmm, I trust you, God. I do. I trust you, God, and I trust Holy Spirit and Todd. But what he just said, I don't understand. I don't get, but I trust. And then later I'll find out that the very thing that I was kind of wondering about, it impacted somebody's life in a powerful way. I'm saying all that to say... Let's trust him. Let's invite people and see what God will do in their lives. I mean, if we're doing stuff that's just stupid or unbiblical, then you have, call, you have reason to fear or be concerned and throw some stones and all that kind of stuff. But we try to do everything we can to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and what the Word of God says. We also have some other things that will be coming up. We have Treasure Club. It's going to be We'll talk to you more about that. Um, and all kinds of things. And then the last thing I want to share quickly out of Acts chapter 1, verse 6 through 9, it says, Then they gathered around Jesus and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power 
When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. One of my favorite passages, and the Lord uses to speak to me powerfully a couple of years ago. And I want to share with you why we have, you know, many people, how many of you guys realize that there, uh, this Tuesday is going to be like the first blood moon of four? Anybody heard about that? Yeah, some of you have, some of you haven't. Where it's going to be, it's a, an eclipse and the moon is going to be a red, red color. It's going to happen this Tuesday and then it's supposed to happen six months from now in October and then it's going to happen four times, you know, six month intervals. And those deals are happening on like Passover, Feast of Tabernacles, you know, very specific Jewish holiday, significant days. And so you can imagine that the Christian, or at least parts of the Christian community are all on the buzz like, well, Jesus is coming, he's coming, he's coming. And some people are very, very, very much into end-time prophetic stuff. Very much. And I happen to not be one of those people, and here's why. Now, let me clarify again. I believe in the end-time biblical stuff. I believe that Jesus is coming. I believe some type of rapture or something. I don't know how it's going to happen. If we're going to go up in the beginning, the middle, or the end, yes, we're going. (laughs) Because the Bible says we will meet him in the air and we're going to be caught up with him and we'll be with him forever. So I believe that. How it plays out, I don't know. Some people have some very strong opinions and they can guarantee you that they know how it's going to play out. And a number of those people have predicted and said, yes, it's going to play out like this. And time came and it didn't happen. That's been going on for many, 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 many years. There's a gentleman, I can't remember his name, I looked it up before, but I already forgot it, and that's not relevant. But some of you will know or remember this. Last May 21st, Jesus was supposed to be coming back. You guys remember that? It was a big stir on the news, and this guy, he's 99 years old. Well, he was younger last year, he was only 98. He's 99 years old, and he, and he has a whole church following and everything, and they said Jesus is coming back. And he once said that in 94, but then he said last year, 2013, May 21st, Jesus is coming. We're still here. And then he said, he messed up. It's going to be October 21st, 2013. We're still here. I remember in 1988, Steve Irby and I went up to um, Medicine Lodge, Kansas, and we were doing a mission, uh, not missions, we we're doing a music um, worship conference. And back then, those of you who remember 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 1988, anybody remember that? Anybody ever heard of that? 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back, 1988, and he had the specific date and everything. And that, that was actually that Monday of the weekend. That was in 88. Jesus still didn't come back. Here's the point I'm trying to make. I've had people approach me. They want to do Bible studies. They want to do teachings. Can we do from the pulpit? They want to do end-time prophecy stuff and charts and all this kind of stuff. I believe in that stuff. I agree with all of it. Pre, mid, and post-trib, yes, 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 I believe in it all, yes. But here's what the Lord has spoken to me about, and it was out of this verse right here. They said, Jesus, or Lord, at this time are you going to restore your kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates that the Father has set by his own authority, but... They were saying, Jesus, is it time right now? Are you about to restore the kingdom? Is the end now? He said... Basically, don't worry about that. Here's what you need to be concerned with. You are going to receive power to be my witnesses, and you need to go. Don't worry about this. In other words, do not ignore. We need to be alert. We need to, you know, keep looking around, you know, be mindful of the seasons. I believe we are coming close to the end, but they believed that hundreds of years ago. So we cannot base our theology on our, our trying to figure all this stuff out, because here's the danger that I see happening to a lot of people. Think of all the people of the world who heard this man say, Jesus is coming back on May 21st. And then May 22nd happens and he didn't come back. What does that do to people that don't believe in the Bible? It just says, see? Then October 21st, see? Now we know that Jesus says no one knows the day or the hour. We all know that. Say, well, he predicted day. But the same principle, when we get people all riled up and saying, it's coming, it's coming, it's probably going to happen this week, it's probably going to happen this week. And we get them all stirred up about this stuff. 
And then a time passes and it doesn't happen, then what does that do? It discredits the word of God. It discredits because they're saying, oh, I've heard that over and over and over again. So then when you come and tell them the truth about something that's relevant, you don't have their ear anymore. And we're focused on the wrong things. And see, I'm passionate about this because to me it's a distraction. Now, that doesn't mean that you personally... Or even if together you want to get together and talk about that stuff, that's fine. But as far as us making that a main emphasis, it's not going to happen until Jesus tells me to make it happen. All right? So I just want to clarify that and let you know why. That's why we don't do that. Because what I'm concerned about and focused on is, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. And he says, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the earth. That's what we're to be about. That's the sending part. Not only to the ends of the earth, but also to across the street, Walmart, Lincoln High School, Kearney High School, your apartment complex, your fellow workers at your works where you work. See, that's Jerusalem. That's where you're called to go. But before you can go effectively, you have to be equipped. And so when you're equipped, then you can go effectively to wherever he calls you to go. And I get excited about people, you people, who take your calling seriously. And it's like wherever you land, wherever the Lord lands you or you happen to be, you say, you know what? I'm not going to just sit here and chill, although I'll do some of that too. But it's like, God, what do you want me to do? And I appreciate my mother-in-law moving her and her husband, moving to a community and started a Bible study. To the senior citizens out there. And now these ladies have a place where they can meet once a week and be encouraged, be refreshed, be challenged together. Because she's not just sitting there retiring saying, oh, well, we'll just sit here and watch TV. Although it's okay to watch some TV. But that's not all. See, I appreciate that because to me that's taking the kingdom to wherever you are. I appreciate the temples. John and Donna Temple. John, Don, John is still going through a hard time. I asked Donna this morning, I said, how's your husband doing? She goes, well, still the same. You know, he's, he's battling. So please keep praying for John, Temple, and Donna, their family. If there's ever been a story kind of reminds me of Job, man. And I'm not being silly when I say that. I mean, it's serious. He's going through a lot of challenges that I don't understand. We're praying. We're fighting with him and everything. But here's what encouraged me. One time when I was talking to them, and John was giving me a report, and, man, I was getting discouraged. I'm like, Dang. Dang. And I thought, Lord, I came to encourage these people. Dang. And then Donna said, well, on a positive note, this is what Donna said. On a positive note, let me share what's going on. We started a Bible study. I said, you did what? They started a Bible study. And it's been growing. It's been growing. And I remember Donna sharing with me that she was frustrated with God. Because like, God, why did you send us here? Why did you send us here? It's like she turned it around and said, okay, since we're here, we're going to love on people. And I remember at that point, John was talking to me about, he was saying how people just need to be loved. They need the love of God. They need, and he was, he was getting after it. And it was like he was starting to glow. And I was getting excited. It's like, check this. They're passionate about these people that God has sent them to. He could sit there and wallow in self-pity which sometimes I feel like giving him a license to hear, brother, you can whine for a little while. You deserve it. He can do that or he can say, you know what, what, we, what can we do? And they are doing something. They are bringing the kingdom to their apartment complex. And they've invited us. They said, would you come and bring, can we do a service out here? And I talked to the leaders and I said, hey, guys, they want us to do a service out there. And one of the leaders said, how about we do it on Easter? Like, what? Are you kidding me? We're going to bring an Easter service to that apartment complex Easter Sunday afternoon. And I'm so excited because here's how I see it. John and Donna have been sent out. They've been sent out to Jerusalem. They are full-time missionaries, full-time ministers of the gospel. And we are part-timers going to serve the full-timers in their community. And so we get a chance to partner with them to see God's kingdom, him bring his kingdom and his love and just blast people and tear it up and all that good stuff. The last thing I want to end on, you know, we, Jesus said to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, you know, Samaria, the Samaritans weren't nice people. Or I won't say they weren't nice. They weren't liked by the Jews because they were half Jews. They weren't liked. So they were that community that the people, the Jews didn't really like. 
We have communities like that, that we would rather not go to, but Jesus wants to go to. Jesus even spent the night in Samaria, in a, a little village in Samaria, hung out with the people, brought the gospel, and all those people got saved. And what I get excited about is God has put some Samarias in your hearts. There are those of you who are here that have Samaria in your heart, a particular place, and God is saying, go, I want to take my light there. And we are going to get to partner with you and go into those Samarias. And we're going to have a fun time doing it. There are some of you who are called to the ends of the earth. There are some of you sitting in the, I'm going to say pews. We don't have those. In these chairs. And God has put in your heart since you were young to go to some country, a far, far, far place away. It may be, it may be China. It may be Africa. It may be Europe. It may be Mexico. And that thing's been buzzing around in you for a while. You don't know what to do with it. Just hang on. Hang on. Allow the Holy Spirit to continue to equip you, to strengthen you, to weed out junk in your heart that's holding you back. Go to the Father's Heart School. And see, that that calling that you have inside of you is one of the very reasons why we have the missions conference every year. And it's coming up in July. Yes. <laughs> One of those J, J months, July something, something, and it's going to be awesome. But here's why we do that conference every year. Two reasons. To invite the missionaries home that we have relationship with and to love on them and just to smack them down with God's love. So we appreciate what you guys are doing. We appreciate your, your sacrifice and your love and everything. We just want to love on you guys. You know, smack them around a few kisses and hugs and everything. Have a good time and listen to what God has done through them over the year. And then to let that build that fire in your heart, not only to serve locally, but also some of you who are called to go and do the very things that these missionaries are doing. So it's to equip and encourage and envision you that they can do that. I can do it too. So when that thing comes around, it's going to be a significant event. I'm like, why are we doing this again? But that's why we're doing it. We want to love on our missionary family and we want to envision you to go and do the same thing. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? Here's how I want to close. Equipping, reaching, and sending. Equipping, reaching, and sending. We need to be equipped. We want to reach other people for the gospel so they can be equipped. And then we want to be sent out so we can go reach more people for the gospel so they can be changed, equipped and go. Amen? It's not about us. It's not our kingdom we're building. It's his kingdom. It's about people. It's about people. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And here's a point of decision. Now, we agree, you know, we know that we we participate in community, in kingdom community, relationships and everything. But we need to be intentional and we need to align ourselves intentionally and say, you know what, Lord, I commit to your process of you changing, uh, training and equipping me. Intentionally. In other words, it's not like, okay, I'm not doing anything on Wednesday, so I guess I'll go to the Bible study. Well, there's nothing going on during the Father's heart, so I guess I'll go check it out. Or I know they have a marriage thing coming up, but we're doing okay, so I can... Or there's a parenting class coming up and we're our kids, they haven't killed anybody yet, so we're good. We can skip that. And see, we don't take these things seriously, or we don't see them as the gift that they are. And I just want to invite the Holy Spirit right now to change our mindset, that we will see His quipping, His gifts, that He's wanting to bring into our lives that we will cooperate with, so we can become more effective and more fruitful for His kingdom. As Cornell shared last week, you need to recognize the season you're in and be content in that season. And allow God to do what he wants to do in your life during that season and not keep looking forward to the next season. He did a wonderful job of that. And so right now what I want us to do in our hearts is, is come into agreement and say, God, I choose to cooperate with your equipping process. I choose to practically give myself to you. That doesn't mean you're coming to every single thing we do. Please don't misunderstand me. But when the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart and saying, I want you to participate in this because I want to do something in your life that you respond in obedience. Jesus, you are our king. You're the one we love. You're the one we obey. 
And we choose to follow you and allow you to make us fishers of men. We love you. We honor you. And we say, Jesus, here I am. Equip me and send me. Send me, Lord. And I thank you, Father, for your people. I thank you for your presence in our lives and our families. And I thank you for your grace that's going to enable us to continue to move forward and to be more effective for your awesome kingdom. In Jesus' incredible name, amen. 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 Remember earlier the the challenge of the Lord telling you to do something or not do it? Make sure you follow through with that commitment that you made with him. You guys have an incredible week. Remember Wednesday night, we start the Wednesday Bible study, 7 o'clock. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. 